welcome to Your Health Hustle Show, the podcast that gathers health, nutrition, fitness, and wellness intelligence, then giving you total access to it all. Stay tuned to your own potential, create that world-class day, and simply be incredible. When we get to that point, being competitive, as long as we stay professional, as long as we stay consistent and deliver a really good quality of service. Listen, as hustlers, we're back again for another episode of Your Health Hustle podcast show. Joined by my co-host again, the fans' favourite, the housewife's favourite, Mr. Tom Hodgson. Hello, Tom. I would love to know <laughs> which fan says I'm their favourite. This podcast is actually the number one trend in show in the Democratic Republic of Congo, mate. So take oh, it right, up yeah, with yeah. Yeah. And you are the housewife's yeah. favourite, apparently. Right, right. On this show, we're finally getting them, Tom. We've finally got them. We've coaxed them down from the rope climbs where he's been on the top of the rig since we mentioned this podcast. David Blaine style. Yep. Where we're, he, he hung there, but eventually we'll talk them down. We've got the big cheese. We've got the CEO. Oh. We've got the nerve center himself. It's like Jesus. It's, it's quite Jesus an introduction. Across, that, yeah. Jimmy Walton. Hi, How are you, man? Hi, How are you? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm, uh, I'm pretty good. After, I, obviously, I've had... Uh, on the last bit that I've just talked through, I'm a little bit sleep deprived, but we'll, we're all well, right. We don't look it. Well, I do not. No, it looks fresh. good. Yeah, hair's sharp. Yeah, I've got an, I've got an on tap supply of knocker in this storeroom though, so I'm, you know. We are in the nerve centre across Northumbria. We are really you know, behind the curtain. Privilege, really, yeah, yeah. isn't it? We'll just be yeah. shotgunning cans of knocker. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> in Ravenous, so, you know, I've got the yeah. IV and like I have my we're caffeine in the for morning. Nine hours. <laughs> what happened? Yeah, we're going to go for like children in need or something. We'll do a charity. Podcast recording. What is your knuckle drink? Flavor wise. Do you know what? What do you mix it up? I'm not a big knuckle fan. No. I don't do much knuckle. Really. Not a fan. Uh, I drink a lot of coffee though. A lot. Like probably too much. Like on a long day. Can you really seven, drink eight too much? Cups and like caffeine. the stuff down there. Do you know who's that new? Yeah. Mr. Coffee over here. So what are we talking? Have you just got it on a, on a drip feed? Just basically in the IV, yeah. yeah. Just basically from 20 to 5 in the morning. Yeah. The eyeballs. Yeah, yeah. You'll see us. You'll see me in caffeine rehab. You will see Tom in knuckle rehab. You know that's first tangent of the episode. Uh-huh. If I've been out about with Carl, have we made it? What three minutes in? I've gone on a tangent. Yeah. If you have, if you have been out tangent. about with Carl, I go on them all the time. If you walk down like the high street with Carl, or I make myself have done it for them. You'll walk past coffee shops and you'll just see Carl doing like thumbs up signs, yeah. and you have just random baristas yeah. who are like just waving back at them. So you must know them all. I can imagine it. Yeah. Like it was a, bar- it was a barista, James Bale, that told us all about this place. I know. So there you go. It was also my first port of call from when I was traveling back up from Heathrow. I would get picked up at the airport. I always go to Newcastle first, and it was always a Starbucks. And I got talking to James Bale, who told us all about this place. Whoa, whoa, whoa. James Bell tipped you off about this place. James Bell, he was the one who got He told me I knew about CrossFit, obviously. And James Bell was one of my first training partners, and then you meet Carl. So actually, my tangent was actually a brilliant. It's come full circle. Yeah, He's I'm the a genius man behind this place. Then it's not me. It's Jimmy oh, Bell. Yeah, he just promotes it the hell. Jimmy Bell. How didn't, how didn't I know that that James got you involved? Yeah, yeah. we were just talking about it because I was seeing like obviously I've seen the rise of it across there. I just thought it was a gym where men had an excuse to take tops off and <laughs> sync with each other and at yeah. the time being in Los Angeles I was frequenting a lot of bars where men took the top off you know so... <laughs> is that the next tangent yeah yeah, yeah is that yeah. how we're going yeah. Jimmy do you want to tell me about yourself my man starting from the Earth. very beginning <laughs> from the big from bang from the foothills of Belgium <laughs> yeah oh my god uh, well that's probably not a bad place to start so I'm a country boy 
grew up out in Bellingham. Do you, do you know where that is? Yeah. Do you know where that is? Yeah. I haven't got a clue. Do you man. not know where that no. is? So, uh, it's you know where is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, just down from Kielder. Mm-hmm. So, we're talking probably about like 50 minutes an hour away from here. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, grew up out in the country on a farm. Um, it was it was brilliant. Uh, Rural. Loved, yeah, loved it out there. It was really good. It was a great childhood, driving quad bikes, crashing quad bikes. <laughs> yeah. Being out in the sticks, it was really good. And then... Um, Moved down here for university, cutting a long story really short. Um, cut, uh, moved down here for uni and got involved in the fitness industry because really there wasn't much going on at university. You're only in not two days a week, three days a week. <laughs> what the were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I was a <laughs> farming background. You're always working. So like the two days a week, three days a week. Did you work on sit. the farm? Was that? Yeah. yeah well, I mean, it was, on. the farm was... So we we lived on the farm, but we didn't farm the land. Right. So like, Got you. My, the farm land was leased to other farmers in right. the area. Um, God, this is going back. So we did that, but my mum and dad are in timber harvesting. So we had the farm, but do you know what timber harvesting is? No. Like big transformer-looking machines that rumble their way through the forest and cut the trees down and put oh, them right, on yeah, their back. Right. You know, egger. Oh sure. yes, yeah, yeah. So all the timber that ends up in Egger gets cut down in Kielder Forest by like my, my dad's right. old company mm-hmm. or, or people like that. And then it ends up there. So we were always busy. I mean, I think part of the reason this started was the fact that my mum and dad were self-employed themselves. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was always, I think it was quite good that that option was always on the table. And from an early age, it was like, this is an option. Do you know, I feel like you, some people, if they haven't been exposed to that, that you just, it's not as an easy thing to do. Yeah, and not I easy to transition into. Some yeah. of you were like brought up around. Yeah, yeah, it was always an option to do whatever you're doing. Could you do it like as a, as a business? Yeah. And um, I think that was really, really useful. So they had the timber harvesting company. So every time we sat down at the dinner table for whatever it was, for breakfast, lunch, dinner, you would have your pleasantries and then it was the board meeting started. Do you know what I mean? It yeah. was like, it was straight down to what whatever was going on. So you couldn't really get away from. Did you ever business. feel like ousting the board? Just <laughs> hostile takeover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Military coast out on the land. So yeah, from like, so from an early age, it was, it was kind of drilled into you that like this was an option and um, they did like pretty well out of it. They, they really enjoyed what they did. They seemed to like married couple running a business and, you know, like there's all the pressures yeah. of that and like they got along really well and pushed it forward. So me and my brother were really lucky to be exposed to that from an early age. And then, yeah, moved down here for university, got involved in the fitness industry by working at City Pool. Yeah. Did you study fitness at university, JB? Was it a fitness course? Was it a fitness? Do you know what? It wasn't at all. No, no it wasn't at all. So university was like project management, oh, building right. project management, yeah. construction based. Um, Did you have the idea of actually going back to work with your parents or some point? Never, or... ever. Do you know what? My dad, I used to go up, <laughs> up to the wood with him to like service the machines and stuff like that and like drop off oil and whatever. And uh, one day, I think it must have been like seven, and that was the opportunity turned to us and said, do you, would you uh, ever want to do this? And I was like, no, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be, <laughs> you know, like a dinosaur or whatever. And that was it. Opportunity gone. Never on the table. Yeah, again. Never, again. never tabled. Yeah. Yeah. The only, offer, the only yeah. window. So that was it. Over. I was missed in the fell, one fell swoop. 
And then, um, yeah, so I started working at City Pool uh, as a lifeguard. And it was it was brilliant. Got to know loads of people. And the council at the time were like putting people through like qualifications. I was also working at Matfin Hall. So I had like public sector and private sector. The public sector was very interesting. I don't think, I don't think there's anything better than working for the council, especially in the swimming centre. Better? I, I, Defined I, better. I just think it's so... It's just a ride. <laughs> you see things like you never thought you'd see. You meet people you never thought you'd meet. Yeah. I'm selling the council here, aren't I? It was great. When I when I worked at uh, Bike Eye Pool, it yeah. was absolutely just off the wall. It was fun, nuts. You know what? It was. It was really, really interesting. I think the difference that I found from working in public sector fitness to private sector fitness was that the public sector was like very structured. It was like everyone knows they're like quite a small set of their roles that they have to do. I mean, yeah. at, at my level. And then, no, like, never, ever think creatively. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Whatever you do, stay out of that mindset. <laughs> Come in, do, do your, your job. job and go. <laughs> yeah. The best one, the membership forms. I don't think the membership forms changed in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> the exact same. Yeah. Yeah. But it was so systematic, but like zero creativity. Um, but I think there was a lot to its to its detriment and probably its ultimate closure there was a lot of waste there was a lot of tears of management upon management upon management upon management mm. managers and managers and uh it was just unsustainable yeah yet the private sector yeah it was like any efficiencies that could be made were made and you were like stretched right mm. to the limit but because of that you had to be really creative and even in any job role you had to be creative on how it kind of keep improving the product and service because if you didn't you're gonna get axed yeah. <laughs> Do you know as simple as that and you would you would never get axed at the council ever. Yeah. like very rarely it was <laughs> so you could see both sides of the fitness industry and how they kind of how they worked which was which was a great like in hindsight it was a great way to kind of see both sides of it so on from there i moved to uh a, a place in do you know where Burden Terrace is in Jesmond? No. I know Jesmond, what not. Yeah, Burden like bottom end of Jesmond. Uh, was was living down there with a mate. And uh, I used to walk to work past Exhibition Park. Um, and on the way through the park one night, on the way to work, to work a later shift, um, there was a boot camp starting in the park. Uh, and it was by like a local provider. And... One of my mates that I grew up with, like near Bellingham, was running the boot camp and I hadn't seen him in ages. And he was just like, oh, what are you doing with yourself? He said, oh, I've been doing like the fitness qualifications and, the, and working at the pool. And he was like, oh, you should uh, come and talk to the owner of this place. You should uh, like see if, he, if he's got any shifts going. And from that point, I went down and met him. Ironically, on the way past, on the way down to the place where this guy was based, I walked past the other competitor in the city, CrossFit Tyneside. Right. Yeah. On the way there. So I was like looking in and I was like, ooh, like this, this looks is, good. Yeah. yeah, this is pretty this is looks interesting seeing all that going on. Ended up going into the boot camp and started working for this guy. Um and whereas the the public sector was like really, really rigid, the private sector up at like Matfin Hall was like uh, like you were always looking for efficiencies when you're gonna be axed. Working for the bootcamp company was just like total autonomy. Ah, yeah. Which was which was really interesting. So you would literally go uh, get rotated onto your shifts 
at the start of the week and you'd say right tom you need to be in exhibition park at 6am go do something you've got an hour to fill <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah. i don't know how many people's going to turn up i don't know what the weather is going to be like you can choose what kit or no kit or anything and you can take them wherever you want as in no kit as in clothes or <laughs> I, yeah, no, I knew he was going there he had that just, look on his face yeah it's just turning my off because someone asked me when I was like being the Edurage they went is there, is there a new speech down there and I went well is there any other type <laughs> 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 yeah, no, so How's just, he survived? I know, I know. Made it across the yeah. So we um, equipment. So yeah, equipment's like equipment. different from kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, equipment could be someone else, couldn't it? Anyways, so you would, uh, so you just get sent to and, t- and turn up and just go, just do it. You so know, do not ask to see like a planning session. No, nothing. Not a thing. Did they watch any sessions? No, nothing. Like no, nothing. I said that really weird there. Nothing. Did what? Didn't watch anything. No. No, was supervised. Well, you were supervised to an extent, but no. Oh, no, no, no you literally go. So you had your qualification yeah. and, and you went through like a basic <laughs> sort of procedure. Of we do a warm up, we do a main session and a cool down. I want it to follow that structure. But whatever you do in that 50 minute piece, go do it. Right. All yours. Yeah. Facebook autonomy. Do you, like, on the... you know, yeah, you, you know, a lot of the members here used to do that. So it wasn't Newt on the one Newt, who, yeah. Newt, I Newt. can remember. That was right interviewing Newton and he had yeah. said he did the boot camps yeah. with you. I remember Newt's first day, the first day I met Newt, he had some quality, like really smart looking innovates on. Right, yeah. <laughs> I remember that. You know, he was rocking the innovates early. So because of that, you would like literally think of just the maddest sessions. Like you would just think, and the madder the better. So Paul Alderson used to like the mad sessions. Right. Oh, he would him, yeah. 6 a.m. Yeah. Alderson used to love the madness. <laughs> yeah. So you'd we'd like run out of Exhibition Park and we'd go up onto the town moor and go across the, the hills on the top and like run up and down there. And then we would like run into town and I had them down to the quayside and then back up to the monument and be doing push-ups outside the monument and people are going to work and you know off to St James's Park and trying to run around the grounds and stuff and it was just I remember a session in Saltwell Park where we um there's a big bank up the hill and one of the movements that I'd picked for the day was the American kettlebell swing so swinging overhead but your challenge in your group of three was to do the swing but then let go at the top and throw the kettlebell over your head as far as you possibly could and then make your way up the hill with oh, progressively right, okay, yeah. larger right, yeah. throws and that seemed like like that got rave reviews that session that do you was know what all I mean? improvised yeah so, well I, I would create i would create plans and just go out and do it but like it just seemed the madder the better the better so like it turned up to gosworth marriott um for a session which is how i actually met Laura and Mark um, one night and 50 people turned up for one person, 50 people outdoors oh, there was that time when it was thunder and lightning as well that was pretty bad. I've run thunder and lightning yeah. it was horrific. It was like flooding in the car Do people know that you're coming so people might go oh well, Jimmy's doing a class I'll then seek So out. this is how it all started with that but we that 50 person session we literally were like right uh, you split into teams go and get the largest lump of wood you possibly you can, can find and go and bring it back. And people, <laughs> I would love it. It was just like a, it was just like a play group. It uh, sounds a, like a... it was madness. And people would come back with like five people carrying like a, like a tree stump. Do you know what I mean? And, and then you'd go right, go off and find whatever. And people would go and bring it back. And then you would get burpees if you were last. And so anyway, I'll move on. The, 
CrossFit doesn't sound so bad now, does it, Tom? <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm startled by like, like bloke in the office doing the health and safety checks on this. Well, being like, well, he did what? It was, it wasn't like that. Well, I but... wouldn't be able to help but train someone's garden or something. I mean, I'd be, be picking one of the bad ones in your castle or something like that. You know, that would be my luck. You uh, would just single-handedly come in with the. I come with a tombstone. Yeah, so completely random. But exactly touching on what you'd said, you, it, was, it was quickly apparent that like if if you made people like give them a good workout, made them like feel good, give yeah. them like a bit of release after work, that people started to come around and do your sessions. Yeah, and really at that point where there's no real barrier to entry, are people following the? umbrella brand or are they actually just following the instructor we've worked in Lego centers and like it often be the case of you'd be sitting on reception being like oh spinning class is starting and the customer would always ask oh who's doing the class yeah. if you give the wrong name and that person didn't want to do the other person's class they were gone just walk out but be like, oh we ain't doing the class like, oh get in mate I'll do that class yeah. I'll book straight on they'll do it so I'm doing a few classes exercise for less and it was the same there was a certain trainers that were really booked out solid and there were good trainers especially for spinning yeah. and people were like oh he's not in the day and uh, you see people have the class just just go Mm-hmm. but in that in that breath that that's what was going on and and people would start to get their own congregation and it was very it was very little about the umbrella brand as much which still did a, did like a great job and i like can't thank the guy enough in hindsight to to expose me to what it was to own like a, an, an independent private fitness company taught me like so so much couldn't have done it without him um but just the business model was very vulnerable do you know what i mean to like for the low barrier to entry and for someone to just go and carve it off for themselves is that because you've like seen your parents own their own business so you think oh i've got a business savvy mind of being this could be done well it was always in my head that i was like i I really enjoyed it and i wanted and i wanted to keep progressing and i think it's at one point we did talk about like an equity share and i probably would have gone for that at a certain point do you know, just to try to take on a bit more responsibility and progress within with a little bit of a handholding operation to that point, but it didn't materialize. It's a foundation, isn't it? Yeah, and but at the same time, I'd started doing a couple of sessions at, at uh, the CrossFit Tyneside gym, but because of a conflict of interest between the two parties, between mm-hmm. the boot camp and between the uh, CrossFit Tyneside, I was given the ultimatum by my boss of, like it wasn't really that good for business. Right. So I started going to a gym down in Seaham to keep progressing the CrossFit side. It was a gym called CrossFit SR7. Doesn't exist anymore. Like it was it was the wild west of CrossFit. And this was your time, like. sort of like minutiae now of CrossFit. What's we're, that, now, sorry? we're now into the CrossFit trail now. Yeah, which, yeah, definitely. Itself, yeah. And that was kind of so for timeline, that was kind of running concurrent to the to the boot camp stuff. So I was bringing a lot of stuff that I was doing in the CrossFit gym. Like we started doing like little mini arm wraps and EMOMs right. and stuff, and people were starting to love it. Um, How did you find CrossFit? Uh, literally time. just down there. And the guy that I was living with at the time, he had his brother and his mate was starting to do it in Chester. And they'd said, like, oh, you should go down and try the one where you are. Do you want to know my first CrossFit workout? Yeah. Go on. You ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> so, 150 kettlebell swings for time. 24. Right. Russian? American? American. American. That's worse. If you put the kettlebell down, you have to do one round of Cindy. So, What's five pull ups, 10 push ups, 15 squats. Uh, why, would you, why did you say? If you put it down mm. a second time, you go through that twice. 
if you put it down a third time, you go through that three times. Put it down, and it just went into a just hole went on four or five of and just death. Like you know what I mean? You just couldn't claw your way insane. out of it because you were so knackered from the rounds. I honestly, at the time, and you my, signed up and said, "Hell, do yeah, this for. No, that was so. That was the first bit. Then it was like prowler sprints outside. And then, um, like a little like recovery jogger on the key side. I think I was foaming at the mouth when I came back in. I was just like lying in a heap, and I loved it. Because I'm, I've mentioned you know, on it. a previous podcast that you're a con man. <laughs> because I did your uh, yeah. Sorry about that. I did your uh, obviously. Tom said fir- that, mate. Yeah. Not me, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. Your first class I did with you, obviously the taser session, being like, oh, some box jumps, some bit of bike. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some slam balls. Hey, I can be good at this. Mm-hmm. Then the next day, saying, Donna, I'm just getting absolutely. You're like, oh well, yeah, I'll sign up for this. Because I'm the yeah. good guy. Yeah. Let's say like James Bell, oh, there's a CrossFit box, King- whereabouts? Yeah, um, at Kingston Park near mm-hmm. Tesco's. Starbucks at Tesco's, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll go and check it out. Is that what swung it for you? The proximity to a Starbucks? It was, it was the one that, the, the really thing that, because I was getting too comfortable with bro splits and the same kind of routine, I was bored rigid and I get bored pretty quick, if I'm uh, honest. And I needed something different. No, like you see, yeah. I, <laughs> what? Yeah. And I've seen, seen the rise of it, you know, just seen the rise of it. But I was seeing people broken or mega fit. And I just thought, um, and they all seemed to be, the funniest thing is, they all seemed to be well, well to do people that were doing CrossFit, mm-hmm. you know? It yeah. wasn't the kind council estate pull them off the streets you know which i'm from my background and all that and i just thought and when i first came this fantastic box and well done on winning the men's health award by the way thank you very much it's great to be associated with something like that my intention and i think a lot of people might have said oh you should have stuck with it i was only going to come for the month of october i remember you saying that yeah i I thought i was going to go back more or less in in the january i didn't think i was going to buy as much time i got addicted to the ward yeah. I really admit getting addicted to the ward was something unreal. It was it was insane. And being out of the comfort zone, which I it was it took us later on in life to realise like I really did not like comfort. So you got James Bell, I think. Whether it's a good or a bad he is the catalyst. Yeah. He, he's probably somewhere along the line, like it pushed me towards all of it. Do you know what I mean? Like inadvertently, I've probably met James Bell somewhere along the way, and he maybe pushed me into City Pool. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I've just forgot that bit. To me, CrossFit had a huge, huge meteoric rise. Why do you think that is? I think ultimately, I think a common thread to that would be people saying the community, yeah. and I do think it is a big factor. A massive. I do think it's a big factor. I think it's probably what keeps you coming back, but it. It was really interesting because it, it didn't it nothing was new about CrossFit, wasn't it? It just seemed to make sense. It took the best bits from the world of like track and field to like running intervals and uh, jumping and throwing and then putting it with tried and tested strength protocols yeah. and weightlifting and gymnastic movements and it kind of shoved it together in a way that I think is probably quite similar to the MMA scene. You know, what what was there before UFC and MMA was like a segmented boxing yeah individual yeah, sports I think yeah and it was combined and amalgamated into this like amazing spectacle and I think it, it boosted the popularity by making this like unified thing different yeah. genres it boosted it to the point where it actually almost eclipsed all of its component parts mm-hmm. do you know what I mean yeah, and then exactly. now CrossFit did the same it pulled together all these bits that have been like tried and true it wasn't gimmicky it wasn't like here's a shake weight or here's a 
you know, like a whatever. It was like, right, we know like the barbell, that's familiar. The rowing machine, it's familiar. I'll combine the two and it'll be devastating. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and, and right. now I think the 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 sum of its parts, it's greater than the sum of its parts. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like weight CrossFit's done more for weightlifting than weightlifting's done for weightlifting. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes and, perfect and like sense. people's now love of clean and jerk snatch, like it it's probably attributed to the explosion of crossfit even just like yeah so i think i think it was because it was something that was like rooted in tried and tested methods in a in a high intensity format which was obviously the, the buzzword at the time and is still popular like it's, it's interesting high intensity training and combine it with a community aspect and i think you've got the sort of component parts of something that just was gonna rock it and it was very sort of anti-everything in the start, wasn't it? It was like... You get a lot of people trying to downgrade it and stuff, and it's more the rebel being like, we're going to do yeah. all we're going to do. I think that's what it was. School works. trainers were so demonising it with the podcast I was listening to, and I'm not a fan of demonising any stretch of the imagination, but they were kind of demonising this CrossFit because it was so vogue. Yeah. It really became so vogue, and it took West Coast, where I was, by, by absolute storm. Every spare warehouse was mm-hmm. was was not only opening as a crossfit box yeah. it was getting members and waiting lists galore you're probably on something in that as well in terms of its rise like you can have an idea and like we said pull together all those elements and it had the community aspect but i think the business model also it contributed to its its meteoric rise because the barriers to entry were still not as low as like just going out into a field and doing burpees, but the barriers to entry were relatively low and it gave the opportunity to, like when I started this place, I was 24, I think, when it started to really kick off, yeah. 24, 25. It gave like the entrepreneurial tools to someone with like quite low risk mm-hmm. and highly effective. So that that formula can spread rapidly, can't it? Whereas if you think about a traditional setup, starting any other kind of gym, treadmills lease agreements city center frontages whereas it's like this will work in a warehouse this will work in a garage this will work anywhere any any warehouse broken dilapidated warehouses were getting built when that's combined with uh, historically you could do the greatest training you want in a dark grungy warehouse in kingston park which obviously it's not dark grungy now it's got lovely wood on the walls and gray paint but like no one would have heard about it but then the rise of Instagram and social media at the time meant that you didn't have to have the city centre frontages to get noticed or the big advertising budgets. So I think it was almost like a perfect storm, wasn't it, at the time that that kind of lifted the it. Seemed yeah, to come together I don't think it was one off. element. I think it was probably the combination of all that yeah. lifted it to that point. Was there a point in time when you thought, I want to have my own box? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just thinking about it now. So I'd I'd kind of made the step in my head. Did you ever do psychology at school? No. I did a course at university, but I don't think I listened. I think I was off that week. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think there's like stages to making like a big decision. And I was I was definitely in the mindset that I was like, right, I'm I, I want to pursue this. But it actually took coming into the building to make it happen. Yeah. Coming in the environment. And I saw it and I was like, right, this is like concrete. Like this not, yeah, this is it. And it was so funny that I, I'd wanted to set it up in Kingston Park just purely because it was quite far away from the local competitor. 
to to branch off and service this part of town. It was good uh, road links for the A1, for the road that comes up through like Cowgate yeah. towards Pontiel and all the rest of that. It's a good place to get I would have never to. thought about any of that sort of stuff. <laughs> I would just found, found, found somewhere in an island there. Yeah, this will do. Oh, yeah. it's, it seems a great but catchment area. The problem with that is that the, the main industrial estate down the bottom is owned by like a big pension fund. So oh, this is right. the only place that's like, like, I think it's the only place that's like a family-owned industrial site. Oh, right. right. So Whoa. at the time, like a, a sequence of events had started with this old site that had, that had, it used to be one large company over there were the offices for a construction company. And this was the um, holding area for kit and all the rest of that kit, not kit, sorry, equipment. Equipment not again. Naked, yeah. Right. Different. So, <laughs> Listen, as equipment. And then that, that company had, after due to the financial crisis and whatever had gone on at that time, had disbanded. And then this had come up for rent. Yeah. Now, I had saw this in like trail through the commercial leasing uh, searches online to try and find so in Kingston Park. And this had popped up. And I was like, right, I have to go for this. I have to. Rang up. And uh, they were just so, the, the company that were marketing it were just so disinterested in, in even like giving me a view in. Yeah. No, we can't get you in. We'll give you a ring. We'll give you a ring. I was in a PT session with uh, a guy who still comes here, actually. Uh, he's a legend. In a PT session with him. And I got a phone call. Right, we can organize a view and there's going to be one of our guys around in 15 minutes. You've got to be there now. And I was like, oh, Matt, I'm going to have to go. Like, this is the only <laughs> yeah. opportunity. And I just yeah. had to down tools and head up here. And then when we walked in, it was just like horrendous. There were downstairs in the now the shop area, mm. the reception. There were just like old broken tables and like random rubbish office equipment. Mm. And like just absolute garbage but that's what oh, it looked like right well you can't imagine that's what it started like so, th so that was the way through the reception sorry listeners you're probably not going to get the full benefit of this <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. as we look at a brochure a podcast really don't want. but um so this was the old setup so this is bay one the like it's so bay two hadn't even been born bay yet. two the bay two was a collection so no of knackered plant hire equipment so was yeah. it a case of walking in straight away? And even though it was obviously a bit ramshackled, there was it a case of I'm just I love it just because it. it was the right size. I could see it like the boxes, yeah, yeah, and it, it was just like this could be absolutely amazing. And then just chased it down as hard as I possibly could. And it was juggling a few things, the whole process of gaining affiliation, gaining planning permission from the council, and signing a lease. You almost had to bring together at the same time, right? Because if you'd paid your CrossFit affiliation for three grand or whatever it costs, and then you you didn't sign your lease agreement or you didn't get planning permission, you'd wasted that money. But you had to have that to market the product. Yeah. And then if the other two obviously fell through, that's like self-explanatory. Is that what you went for first, the affiliation? I, I went for planning permission first, but then you had to get all the things sort of rolling, ready to at come in at the time, same time. All the wheels were turning. Because by that point, as soon as you sign your lease and, you, and your rent's starting to come out, you you don't want to go too far into that dip before you start marketing, trying to get people in because bills need paid. And So it was just, again, like a bit of a perfect storm that kind of came together and... Um, five years later <laughs> was it was it never a case of being like i want to try and go like athlete level or was it more a case of i want to try and own the business side of crossfit uh that's that's a good question so i always thought the two were very linked um 
and I to some extent I still do so when I first started the place because we only had a class I don't know if you guys know this but we only had a class in the morning so like 6 30 and then we had a half five and a half six three classes like and a day that was yeah? It. yeah closed all the way through the day right no <laughs> open gym no nothing it was literally just three classes a day so I would come in in the morning open up do the class for what was probably about seven eight people maybe <laughs> and then we didn't have any half nine we didn't have any other stuff going on and then we did i did the half past five and the half past six and the half past six was like really quiet the half past five was quite busy and then the half six uh -huh. yeah. and then it would i would lock the doors so in the middle of the day i could just train train all the time right. and i'd like try to keep progressing the business along but it i wasn't like fired up with that sense of like you need to grow this aggressively i still wanted to like keep training and i was I was doing my training sessions under the kind of umbrella of the JST Compete training protocols, you know, by Steve Fawcett and Jack Cornthwaite and those guys who do still do really, really well. And it's an amazing program. And Donna still follows quite a lot of it. Um, so I was following that and I was, I, I quite enjoyed it. And I, I like did all right. Like I was, I was okay. I managed to make it to like a couple of like fairly, large competitions like the first the very first individual competition i went to was down in um the men never done anything before never ever and the first one was at the men right yeah <laughs> so you had to go through quite a nasty qualifying process and i just kind of scraped in in like 96th 97th out of 100 just made it and went down and uh like the warm-up area had a, like Kristen Holt was in there. Sarah Sigmund's daughter oh, was in dear. there. Phil Hesketh was in there. Like uh, the who's who, big big names. Like yeah. even five years ago, there was start. Like Sarah was just really sort of pushing up through. Obviously, like my heat was <laughs> two hours before her heat, <laughs> yeah. and all the rest of that stuff that was going on. But I remember being in the warmer area, and I was just doing like leg swings. You know what I mean? Like, what? Yeah. and they were doing like banded you know like rolling around on from stuff like proper warm-ups warm and i was like yeah. leg swing couple of toe touches right are we ready to go <laughs> yeah we'll go do it yeah <laughs> i didn't have a clue what was going on and then you went out through this like curtain and it was like this huge rig and the men had like people in like it was quite full obviously to start this crossfit northumbria box how do you see yourself as a leader oh that, that's a good question I had a bit had had a bit of a think about this. I I don't I don't think I naturally see myself in that position. It's took a it's took a lot of um it's took a lot of learning and a lot of development. I try and listen to a lot of stuff from the kind of industry leaders in, in this sector and that. So like Ben Bergeron likes to kind of talk a lot about leadership and how to kind of conduct yourself in relation to that. And there's a good um, podcast by the guys at um, Trainer Think Tank. It's a guy called Max El Hajj. Oh, I've never heard you of that should, one. I need to check really, that out. You'd love that. Yeah. Like his stuff's really good. Oh, excellent. It's probably less entertaining, but more like there's more substance to right. it. So I try to kind of take advice from industry leaders and stuff like that, just how to do it. And then just generally like, Every now and then, you've got to like pull yourself back and just be like, are the actions and decisions that I'm making like generally reasonable? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I think ultimately, I can probably be a little bit of a person, <laughs> right? And I've got to like peel that back and be like, no, like you've got to think your actions have to now support 
the staff yeah. and the community. No, yeah, and I think that shows that you're a good leader, though. Because that's obviously seeing a weakness in yeah. yourself. Like you might be, I might betray that. <laughs> yeah. You got to I can't then do that. I need to then reel that back in. Yeah. It's actually quite a good point. Yeah, I think it doesn't come naturally. And I think there's certain things that you've got to kind of throw yourself into and, and be uncomfortable and make decisions. So, you know, you've all, you've seen that the end of the Open, we do the, the coaches, the coaches battle yeah. where Donna usually trounces everyone <laughs> and before that like in the past couple of years it's we've had the quite aggressive like quite tough lead-ins towards that so like we've had expansion stuff going on and, and we've all been busy and then we do the whole five weeks of the open and then the final day is really busy and by the time it gets to eight o'clock at night you've got to put yourself in front of a hundred people and do a workout and I think at that point that's you know that you are doing it for the right reasons and that you're like I'm going to put myself out there I'm going to go into a lot of pain and I'm going to do it because it's the right thing to do for the staff and the community and, and it, it's such a good thing when you finish it that you know like that was the right thing to do the only really easy one, to bail out of from that. like the one what we did obviously the part of just passes as soon as you guys went on the floor no one left yeah. So everyone stood there and watched the full workout and were commentating all the way through and whispering who's going to win. And obviously, Don just blitzed the head in two minutes. But <laughs> that, I think that's one of the most fascinating things to show the mentality this place has that no one left when the coaches hit the floor. Yeah. Everyone stayed to watch. Oh, yeah. And it's like massively appreciated. I think on those nights, you really realize like what kind of place it is. It's, and it and it filters down through the rest of the year, I think. Did you have like a dream of what you wanted to see to be when you first opened it up? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that yeah. was going to be my next question. What was your vision? And was there any fear that your vision wasn't going to be matched? And did yeah. you have to overcome fear? A good question again. Yeah. So before I actually pulled the trigger and started signing leases and approaching the council for changes of use, I did do a bit of a box tour. So I, I went round... Um, some of the close ones. So I went up to Glasgow, I went down to Leeds, I went to Teesside, I went to Harrogate. I went to quite a few. I'm probably missing some really good ones out there. And Did you just, train at these boxes as well? Yeah, yeah. so I like tried to get around and see what other people were doing and try to see, take the good points and maybe take like maybe some bits that were there for improvement and try and push that together to get the best start here possible. And along the way, you know, I met like a guy from CrossFit Leeds called Mike Rawlinson and he's been an affiliate owner for probably about like 10 plus, nearly probably about 12 years, one of the first ones in the UK. And I said, oh, I'm going to give it a shot. And he was just like, anytime, just oh, let me know, cool. yeah. you know, so supportive, um, which helped a lot. And that kind of gave me a little bit more confidence that if I did encounter some problems, there would be that there's so much genuine experience that. that's yeah. rather just giving an opinion yeah. has, has done it yeah because there's plenty of other people that are in different sectors that i knew that could give me business advice which is very generalized but this is quite different from a lot of the other stuff that you see going on definitely like other businesses um so yeah i just i just wanted to make sure that the place was like professional i think that was the overarching thing that it yeah. had to be professional uh-huh. it had a lot of the a lot of the gyms at that time were quite like they were almost like a hobby gym and that's to no disrespect to any of the other ones um not all of them were at all but just the nature of it it was people's love for crossfit and they'd gone oh why don't you come down and train with us or chuck us a couple of quid for kit equipment equipment sorry chuck us a couple of quid and just (laughs) And to keep the lights on and, and then it spiraled into a business, whereas this started as 
this wants to be a professional. This I wants want to this be to be pro born at yeah, CrossFit. Clean, affiliate. tidy, on yeah. time. Like something that would have the legs to grow. And what you wear the community side then even. How um, CrossFit really looks after you. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was always aware of that. And I, I thought the, the community that, that came across. So when we're finished with the bootcamp company, I kind of budgeted for five people that had made some noise that they were going to um, jump across and come and do this. They they lived a lot closer and there was other factors. They they liked working with the barbell. I think about 40 people turned up. Yeah. And, and the, you know, those those people, like I'll, you'll, a lot of them are still here, still, yeah. like a hell of a lot. Um, that's that's uh, how, how many years do you think that would be then because for years. that's that's a lot for a for five a gym years. and you know they they to be loyal yeah and i can't like i literally can't thank them enough because your initial members set the foundation don't they yeah they yeah. set Absolutely. the culture Absolutely. do you walk away when someone's still working out and start putting your gear away and talking about how great you did or do you go and like help that person out and keep them going do you say hello to the new person do you, you know and if that's wrong from the start that that affects your business and that affects your community so i can't thank those guys enough how do you go about making sure your employees are progressive <laughs> <laughs> oh that's that that was a bit of a learning curve employing people yeah because you know that i, I don't know <laughs> you haven't had that before so then no, being, never yeah. never ever ever um it was really interesting it was really interesting. I feel a bit sorry for them in the beginning <laughs> because um, my first, so I, I employed, like Donna came on board and then she, but I'd worked with her before. My first, she, she, she was working, she was, she was doing all the shift and she got massively involved, like a huge part. I think the first time I kind of employed someone in a more formal capacity was probably Mark. And I, uh, the thing was, I knew I needed a, I knew I needed a trainer. I knew the business was growing, and he was like a really friendly guy. He was always that person in the class to say hello, and he obviously still is. His personality like shines through. He's, um, but I was going to take him away from a secure job at the Marriott. Oh, right, right. And now you the, him. well, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Half my staff are from the Marriott, so I had to know then that like this place is much bigger than just my decisions now i've pulled a guy out of full-time stable employment for a big company and he's now going to take a risk in this shed in kingston park you didn't well, book a room until he is the marriott it's between me and mark the spa when you're looking to hire all our staff are you looking internally for people who know the company yeah or are you open to more do you know we've had we've had success and we've had not so much success in both in both realms of that and you know I, I've always preferred to hire internally because they know the culture, yeah. you know, and the overarching culture of CrossFit is very supportive. It's community driven, but there's still little things that I think happen here that I think I'd like to see continue. Even if I was like, I'm not, I'm not doing as much coaching anymore. So I have to be sure that the things that I hold like valuable to the growth and what happened before are still being upheld yeah. and what better place to get that are the people who have been, within Integral that from the start yeah they've more been or less yeah. which leads us to my next point if you had to take a sabbatical <laughs> what is the one thing you'd write down for your employees i think you've got to be really proactive and they are you extremely know extremely proactive yeah. like in 
in this business because it's so small you can't ever rely on just someone to take up the slack because it's just not going to happen. There's nothing reactive about the whole mechanics yeah. of this box, Jamie. And and I think it you can't survive in small business if if that's not the case because all you do if you skip out on your responsibilities or you or you think oh no I'm just say just something really small like I'm just going to leave that that kit out in the morning so and so can put it away then that's going to affect their timeline and they're going to maybe not provide the same mm-hmm. service for the next class. And and it's just something that we've all thought about very carefully that we have to be proactive for each other to not leave too much. Like you don't want that extra burden. You want to be, you want to be proactive because you know it's like the right thing to do. It's so proactive with yeah. the uh, with the members as well, putting the equipment away after everyone. See, like strip the barbell exactly. down for the condition. And it filters down. Uh, it's just automatic. And that's great. Yeah, well, I've taught spin classes before. And you'd be like, okay, folks, can you please write your bikes down? And you see the members turn and walk out of the room. You're like, fantastic. Yeah. So I'm doing that for the next 10 and minutes. And why? I, it's I, like, I, never, I never understood. I wanted to throw my towel at the time, but I thought, I might not do that. Go back to the other coaches. Mm-hmm. From one within, do you see your coaching style in them? Or do they muster up their own one sort of thing? Or do they think, oh, oh do they follow through? Ooh. They've definitely got their own coaching style. Some of the things I definitely don't want them to do with my coaching style. What would that be? Well, if Wednesday, 6 a.m. Right, I, I love I, when you go on like, a, a, a physiological tangent. I love it, <laughs> But some people don't. <laughs> and I think also, like, people have got their different style of how they conduct the class and, like, I think there's a lot of throwback to almost the boot camp days of how it's you want your set structure, but if it goes off in a certain direction, it's going well. You know, stick with it. You're not going to alter the programming, but maybe the way you conduct the warm up. So Wednesday morning, prime example, just gone. Um, the warm up was something that I'd uh, taken from CrossFit.com. I'd seen in in the week previous. And we were doing like the tiptoe walks, and yeah, we were doing the crouch the walks and going around. around the rigs. And what did that cause? Madness. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it it was chaos. It was it was all like adults doing like cowboy pistols yeah. and stuff doing a thing. I there was, was a guy walking on his um, tiptoes, pretending to be in high heels, chewing gum and waving exactly. like a hooker. Yeah. Who was that? Yeah. I mean, I wonder. Madness. Yeah. How does CFN stay competitive, Jimmy Walton? As long as we stay professional and as long as we deliver a consistent service, I think that's how we stay competitive. I think the minute we drop the ball and we kind of relax on those principles we won't be as competitive. Yeah. I think the staff, in even in the past like year and a half, two years, yeah, probably last year and a half, have really got the mindset and the mentality of almost being like, it's a bit of a rubbish word for it, but like entrepreneurial. Does that make sense? So like, rather than like going outwardly being entrepreneurial, they're like trying More to- More intrinsic. They're, they're almost taking their own job roles because each of the staff have job, set job roles above coaching level in here to work on. And they all like, we all meet on a Tuesday and talk about what they've been doing, and and you just see the progression is almost runaway now. So you've so you've gone. F- that must be feeling great. It, it it is, but I'm a total control freak, as they will <laughs> as they'll say. So like you've you've created something that's almost like self sustaining progression. Hopefully now, I'd like to see it as like that. Like a Tony system, more or less. Yeah. So like you'll come in and uh, uh, we've we've tabled an idea next Tuesday. There's 
a master's trial session on from Andrew Baston and then he's in tonight talking to me about the feedback forms and now we've tabled three more down the line or two more and how oh, and when are we going to market this and how's it going and he'll go away and come back with Facebook advertising and Instagram and MailChimp emails and then you, before you know it you've got a thriving master's community and did I do that much on in the groundwork for that not really like they've they've picked up the ball and ran with that like neve with the teens class like the teens classes are packed out so i think when when we get to that point being competitive as long as we stay professional as long as we stay consistent and deliver a really good quality of service the natural now progression of the staff will probably take us onwards do you ever like get stuck at the numbers being like oh i've lost two members or oh, like what we're going to do or just not even like in the past yeah and it ne- it never ever like sounds really really soppy but like you never ever get past that because i think uh i imagine in other like manufacturing or product-based businesses someone buys you a product and then the next day they don't buy your product you never you never know yeah you never meet these faces that's but, really sincere yeah that jamie to say that well this is a personal brand so like from the day you walk in the color that you choose to paint the walls to the barbells that you pick to the programming that you do to the way it's delivered even now to the staff that you've picked and trained up and and now run your sessions people have a multitude of reasons for not continuing with your service and a lot of the time it's circumstantial like moving away or whatever and da 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 da. but every time you always think have you offered like enough value to that person and why have they not continued to see value in your personal brand Mm -hmm. and it always like everyone that that you see come in a cancellation notice you're like what we always review it every Tuesday. We will always review a cancellation if there's one. Wow. Every time. So there'll be like a cancellation evaluation process. What happened? At what point in the life cycle of that client did they start to decrease their class bookings? What could we do potentially in future to try and limit that? Could we mix? You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think yeah. I think there's a very personal level to it. Like it, it hits me harder than probably anyone else in the organization. But I think now that the staff realize like, that that it's not just they're gone we we try and limit that as much as possible but yeah it is uh it's an interesting one so as a crossfit coach do you see more potential in people than they see in themselves yeah i think so because we can see the stages that you're about to hit (laughs) so um to put that from an objective point of view as well to put that in a sort of a little bit more simpler terms we can see people's progressions for instance towards like a bar muscle up okay so if they're going to get towards a bar muscle up, we see them being consistent in their training. That's like a, that's one of the first steps. They start to increase their ability to do strict pull-ups. They start to increase their ability to hold like hollow and arch positions and they just get generally better. In their head, they think they're miles away. But I know I've seen this before down the line that you're like, no, you're probably about like two weeks, maybe you're about like three weeks. And there's nothing I can say. Like there's no magic pill or sentence or anything. And a lot of coaches will say, oh, come and like you know you, you just need to do this you just need to do this you don't you just need to do your ten thousand reps of that movement and enjoy the process of getting there if you've got other stuff going on and you've got families and you've got kids and you've got jobs and you've got careers and stuff and all that stuff don't worry about it mm-hmm. do you know what i mean don't like try and rush the process to the point where you are right i'm i'm not going to work for a year <laughs> To get better at CrossFit. Don't do that. Don't do that. Like, it will come. Just 
That's Don't. the Boston method. Yeah. 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 Does that make sense? He has, yeah. my, he has my car same with the bar muscle up. <laughs> what happens if I get to the top and there's no better feeling on earth than that bar and muscle up? There. And I'm like, well, if I'm, 20, I'm 26 now. I've done a bar muscle up. Like, you know, it's, I'll do it. He's 26. Yeah, so it's, like, it's not Tinder. Yeah, right, so, <laughs> yeah, I'm just trying to plug myself. Sorry. And no, Tom's, t- Tom's gone through the roof. He asked me, and it's great to see. But consistency is a thing, and like, yeah. the six o'clock class has always been great for me. And then coming in and seeing like the coaches who are it's also one friendly, of these the programs, some of the programs and conditioning we've done, even by putting an extra five k on, could feel could take a war ball go, <laughs> goes up 20 pounds, and I felt it come down at 40 many times. <laughs> I put that on Shen's um, Instagram. I think in the competitive space, like now, like I'm not at all in the competition space like when I first started like I was saying I used to quite enjoy that stuff not at all now I still like it but I think the it's a total arms race and uh people have like <laughs> it's at, an arms at, race like, right at, uh, at a local competition level the standard is so high that people are like removing other responsibilities in their life to focus on CrossFit and and I I admire their drive and their determination and and I love that but don't do it at the expense of your job do you know what I mean like don't you know like just enjoy the journey just come in and get fit and be really diligent about your progression but you know yeah diligence worth, perfect like, word Absolute don't perfect don't stop picking the kids up from school <laughs> to double them this Tom would do that <laughs> yeah definitely he has a question for you what's been your proudest moment of all in this box has it been something you've seen you thought hey i think now we're in a position where i am i'm more removed from doing the classes just simply through necessity and obviously if you ever come to a 6 a.m on a wednesday you can still see that i absolutely love doing classes it's brilliant but um and on the administration reception side the girls down there have got it down to a t like they have got it covered their service is absolutely amazing and to see all those things kind of chugging away and, well, and being its it. all own thing, that was always the goal as soon as I kind of, I went on like a business mentor course, uh, probably at the end of year one. And there was a guy from Australia, he's called Ty on there. He ran a company called The Affiliate Solution. And we went to this like box in Warrington, drove down to Warrington. I'd found him on the internet. Some of his stuff he was saying was pretty good. And uh, I went down, paid for his seminar. And there was me and there was a couple of other people that I recognised. There was a girl from CrossFit Leyland called Gina, who's lovely, and a couple of other guys. And uh, he stood in front of us and he just went, uh, right, um, my name's Ty. I have, well, I had six gyms in Sydney with 300 plus members in each one. And I've sold the gyms and I'm now travelling the world teaching everyone how to do it. And we were just like... <laughs> tell me what you know what's the secret you have my attention do you know what i mean like um and he and he totally totally had a like a tectonic like massive change in in the way that i saw the business and it was like if this is going to provide for me and others i need to approach this a fan of the e-myth as well yeah yeah. are you proud of yourself for what you've done here uh yeah i am i think i think you you always and it's funny that I just talked about people's progression and not not rushing it because this is quite ironic. But I think you're always looking to the next thing, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. And you never think you've kind of hit it. And you never think you've made it or you've done enough. Um, 
so I think it is quite nice on days like 365 or the, the competitions we do to kind of sit back at the end of it and see that so many people are here and enjoy doing this as a, a product of everything else that's going on. But the ultimate catalyst was walking through that door and seeing the space and going, you know what, this like actually might, this might do it. Is there one thing that you know now about running a business that you wish you had known when you started off? Yeah, look at your numbers all the time. Be very analytical on your numbers. So track everything. It seems a little bit cold and a little bit removed from the kind of community and personal driven service. But if you're going to make informed decisions that are going to affect the business in a big way, you need to know. You need the data. Yeah, you need to know what's popular, what's not as popular, what's how many people are coming in, you know, all these Actual numbers. Figures. And we, like, I'm a total nerd for tracking the figures. So I can, not not for just, it, it's really just to make the most informed decisions. Because if you don't make informed decisions with 10 staff, you are massively doing them a disservice. Like they have mortgages and yeah. car payments and things. And if you're just like, do you know what? I think we'll just um, like whatever it's, it's not it's not responsible it's pretty negligent really so yeah track your numbers which of your personality traits has been most useful with running crossfit northumbria i'm not afraid of hard work i think i don't know if that sounds too a bit big in myself from your parents there. because obviously you've been on the farm and yeah the board. i mean that is hard work <laughs> yeah donna donna and um donna laughs about this all the time about the differences like when i was like growing up in the farm like normal people were playing like bit of playstation had been out gran turismo was probably out at that point you know crash bandicoot was probably out that was kicking off uh, and i was driving a toyota hilux across the field while dad was chucking you fence posts out the back for real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know like just doing just doing stuff like that and not and not and knowing that like you've got to you've got to be proactive you've got to keep working at stuff and probably a thing that i've learned You've got to also try and switch off from that or your your productivity and your proactivity will end up just totally plummeting. If you just smash yourself to bits trying to do everything, you'll end up just burning out. Um, so I think it's got to be balanced. And what do your parents think about this place? <laughs> they must be pretty proud being like... So from that, from their attitude, from the farming background and their, their business, when I used to go to the gym, like standard sort of bodybuilding gym when I was like 16, 17... If you had time to train, you weren't working hard enough. All right. <laughs> Honestly, that was a phrase that came out of my dad's mouth, like, which is crazy, isn't it? So, uh, but attitudes were different then, like health and fitness, which just wasn't a priority, and it and it is now. Um, especially it wasn't a priority in Bellingham. <laughs> it was. So you were. Uh, they they are really really proud. I think more they wouldn't have cared really whether it was fitness or whether it was making cans of knocko or whatever do you know what i mean like any business would have done but i think being doing something doing well yeah i think they quite like to see that i think they're always a little bit protective though you know so if i go and meet them and i'm like oh we're gonna go for this we're gonna make this decision they'll always go on the side of caution um to try and they they see where it's at at the moment and i and i don't know if there is they might be a little bit more risk of this maybe I wouldn't say I'm a massive risk taker, but I know that where we're at at the moment isn't the ultimate destination for it. And I'd like to make it a lot like substantially bigger. 
Um, and to do that, we'll have to make these decisions. And they're always a bit like, are you sure? You're not like happy, you're not content. So CrossFit North only yes, you're still excited by it all. There's a lot left to do. Still just a work in progress. Yeah. And you're happy with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean I So think... can you pitch to us like your final dream? So if you were like gonna go off in the sunset and retire and you've got you're, you're ready for Suck it. Suck a So there's a there's probably a bit of a change that's been initiated in America. Um as CrossFit's boomed over there that you would have seen. I thought um, you meant with a visa. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, my daughter, I still owe people money. <laughs> so, <laughs> tangent. <laughs> so uh, over there, the, the CrossFit thing, it, it boomed. Yeah. It did really well, especially on the West Coast, boomed up. And then the good gyms stayed and the poor gyms died off. The good gyms wanted to maybe capitalize on the areas where gyms had died off and they wanted to make multiple locations. But if you're under a CrossFit banner, then you're always under like a license agreement and you right. are essentially yeah, yeah. like, if you are CrossFit and I'm CrossFit and Tom's CrossFit and you're a commodity, what usually wins commoditization price? So we we think that we offer a product that's like, it's it's good uh we we obviously rate our own product we think it's brilliant and then there's there's been some change in america especially with a like a mentor i'll call him a mentor um a guy called jason kalipa yeah and he yeah. is a, a good friend of, of yours as well. <laughs> well well i don't know if i go that far, <laughs> but he's uh he's a big big supporter of crossfit he, n- he does not have anything against crossfit but he realized that if he was going to do something that was going to grow to a scale that would support his family and multiple like large number of employees he would have to go out on his own and he and he created nc fit so nc fit is still a crossfit gym but under the banner of something that is in is a regional brand now i think ultimately for crossfit northumbria we would like to see at some point a regional brand develops. I would like to see CrossFit Northumbria, Kingston Park, CrossFit Northumbria, Gateshead, CrossFit Northumbria, Durham, CrossFit Northumbria. We've got an exclusive but here in Tom, eh? it, yeah, at that yeah. point, CrossFit Northumbria doesn't, it, it would have, to, so I've, I've said all those things CrossFit Northumbria, but really it would have to be something probably slightly different from that name to, to make it almost recognizable. And you've seen it, it's happened in Manchester with the train gyms. So train Manchester, which is Sam Briggs's gym, train one, train two, train three in the different areas. So I think going forwards, I'd like to see the the location here still thrive, go to multiple locations with with like, like keeping the level of consistency and professionalism and keeping more opportunities for the staff. Oh, that's Do you know what great I mean? stuff. Like, what I think, a boss, Tom, eh? That <laughs> sounds very righteous, but like, I think there's... It's sincere again, Jimmy, I will, you know. But there's some really, really like, they've got amazing ideas and I, the last thing I want to do is like kind of rein them in and hold them back because to for my own sake, if I don't want them to go anywhere else. I want to give them the opportunities that they deserve to be creative and be, to have show that flair and if they can't do it here, then ultimately they'll probably do it somewhere else. So I'd like to Can be the I write my CV? Can you see how well I'm <laughs> from this pen? Yeah. So yeah, I think ultimately we'd like to create a regional brand that has recognition and then who knows? Wow. So right outside of CrossFit, what mm. fuels you, Jamie? Like, what do I do outside? Of the yes, gym? if you do anything outside of CrossFit, that is. Yeah, I c- put these rumors to bed. <laughs> <laughs> so I like um I like 
hiking. I see lots of uh, pictures of you and Donna yeah. off trekking yeah. places and stuff, which also looks to be fair. I I love it. Like I absolutely love getting outside and and just so you, just exploring. On your days off, do you revert back to like the country boy yeah. sort of aspects of life? Can't take yeah. the country out the boy. Yeah. I, I love yeah. I love it like up in the Cheviots. Like, I love it. Yeah, it's I'm like so absolutely privileged to have that. The Lake District and just going out to the beach and just trying to be trying to be active and not necessarily for the kind of like oh I should be using my fitness because I'm just because I like it yeah do you know and and the ability to go and just climb uh, like go go climb Helvellyn or go and do Scarfell Pike on a whim it's just brilliant that this stuff works so well so close yeah um so a lot of that um yeah I I think that's I'm not a massive drinker like I well I don't really do it much at all um (laughs) I do like I do like pizza. Does anyone not like pizza? I do really like a nice yeah, slice of pizza. So, what be a pizza of choice? Domino's American Hot. That was really quick. Garlic and herb dip. Do you? Are you on that? Are you on that? Or your Papa John's? Of, Don't say Papa John's. I like a Papa John. Do you like any pizza? <sighs> yeah, you see, I've had them in New York. Proper pizza has got spoiled. Yeah. You see, you yeah. know. Sorry to drop that one in. No, listeners. I'm with you. Um, but it's like that Garrett's popcorn. You know, once <laughs> you have that, it's a whole new. <laughs> no, that stuff should be should have a warning label I'm on it. I'm hopefully going to get you the macadamia one sometime this year. Paul, I can't have that's um, that is the most Moorish things, <laughs> most Moorish bit of kit you could have at once. I can't handle it. I had the whole bag, I think, in one fell swoop. So I've asked this to a previous guest, Andy mm. Bass, and he gave a great response. I'm going to ask you, if you had to make like a sentence of like something like a quote you would say, let's say on a t-shirt or something like that. Oh, his was really good his and it came really straight good. off know, the cuff, didn't it? I know, so I'm actually going to put you on a spot. What we could play in the background if you're doing the end is like that like game show music. Like, you know? like it's ticking clock or something. Yeah, like, yeah. Like countdown. Like countdown I because obviously the face oh, is... but then I'll come up with something that's like... Or you copyright rubbish. Or right, there's not such a thing as right? rubbish on this podcast. Are we ticking down now? What, just a slogan? Just like a slogan or a sentence that you might go like, oh... Jimmy Walton, like any grave. Jimmy Walton, boom. There you go. Have that. Maybe we'll put Car- it on the the YHH your Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Because Carl's would be like Carl Douglas. You're strong, buddy, and that'll be his sort of code done. There's a good one from a from a guy that owns a gym in New Zealand, who um talked about his quote was "People first, fitness follows," and I quite like that. So I'm probably just going to pinch that. Going to pinch that. You can reference it, couldn't you? Just yeah. Whatever. Et al. Et al. Yeah. It's called Vicky. So I think I think that it's always it's always been like if you if you do if you care about the people who are in your business then the fitness follows. How would you define value? Oh, see, I right, <laughs> I that was my line. Was that being yes, stolen? Yes, yes. She took that. Can I have that back? Yeah, of course. Value, yeah, it's the gap between the amount of benefit reaped from the service and the actual cost it was a wonderful quote you came with me yeah because we talked about it the night before and yeah. she just have just she just, just recorded me and just yeah. played it but yeah. yeah do you want your quick fire round then tom yes mm. are you ready for yeah, this yeah we'll go then i've got a quick one here for you quick fire round batman or robin or batman or robin moore robin moore Whoa. yeah 100 percent. star trek or star wars star wars have you ever shaded under a man's beard no. No. Uh, what's your favourite CrossFit movement? Snatch. It's the best. It's the best. Training capes for muscle ups 
or train in kilts for dumbbell lunges, what would you invest in? This is an Elon Musk question. <laughs> Elon Musk turns up, he says, Jamie, I need you to buy in training capes that allow your muscle up oh, he's or a training yeah. kilt that allow you great dumbbell lunges. What would you invest in? Capes. Oh, right. that's mine. Yeah. That's mine, yeah. training capes. Nanos or Metcons? I'm all about the nanos. All about the nanos. The nanos. All about the yeah. nanos. If you could go back to Jamie, age 13, hmm. and give him some advice, what would you give him? <laughs> Stop messing around, idiot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Poor little Jamie, 13. Just, just throw some logs <laughs> in the back of the truck. Just don't worry. And are you sure you never shit it under a man's beard? <laughs> If there's going to be a movie about your life, what oh. genre would it be and who would play you? Oh. I'm going for Matt Damon. Really? Do you think Matt Damon? Ah, I'm okay. Going, I'm going Matt Damon. Um, I'll have that, like. Would you like call direct? Can I, can I have Matt Damon? You can have Matt Damon. Right, yeah. okay. Cool. Mm, I wouldn't have said Matt Damon. Uh, I would have said Whoopi genre. Goldberg. It's probably going to be a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably going to yeah. be a... Yeah, yeah. yeah Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> What's the one thing we should all do more of? What a good question that is. I didn't expect that. Uh, laugh. Oh. See, I'm just relaxing and chilling out is a process in itself that's very productive. And if just like laugh, put your phone down every yeah. now and I'm a nightmare for it, but just put it down and just chill out and talk to people. Rather, do you think if people didn't laugh much, Jamie, the chuckling muscle would fall off? <laughs> the chuckling muscle. Good God. Hundred calorie ski or hundred calorie assault bike? Oh, ski. Everything with a concept too. Yeah, oh, I love it. Assault yeah. bike or assault I've got a skier in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, Jamie Walton, thank you very much for your time. I know how busy you are, and it's an absolute privilege to finally get an interview in. This has been absolutely fantastic. Tom, yeah. would you agree? Yeah, I'm starting to feel the heat, though. Oh, it's hot, yeah, like. It is hot in here. We're, we're keeping the yeah, arms down. The yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, just finally, where can people find everything about CrossFit Northumbria? www.crossfitnorthumbria.com and you can find us on our Instagram handle on at CF Northumbria. And can you go a quick, you've got an introduction session, a free taster session, is that right? Or uh, We do our no sweat intros, yes, yeah, so you, it, can no sweat do, uh, you can come and have a look around the gym, use our in-body. Um, and Listeners, please do, please do. Yeah, you can see what's I've going on. I've actually got one last question I haven't actually asked yet. Fire it. How did you come up with the name Cross Northumbria? Oof. So it was either it was CrossFit NCL, right, uh, right, uh, but I, but they wouldn't let me have that because it's a location based one, uh, right? Which I know that uh, I know the Northumbria one, but it's not there anymore. So NCL, the other one was like something to do with like the wall, like Hadrian, but CrossFit Hadrian sounds not good, does it? Just doesn't sound like anything, does it? No, it's hard to imagine it being called anything yeah. else. Yeah, when you say it, like, and then when you say Hadrian. Northumbria, it doesn't like doesn't massively roll off the tongue but it's just what it is and then that was the third that was the not the third option in in the in favorites but it was uh that was the other option it was like when ncl was knocked back um northumbria like i'm from the hills of northumberland so yeah, yeah. a little area as well yeah. jamie walton thank you very very thank much thank you for having me yeah. it's been a pleasure thank you thanks for listening to the show we love having you here Stay subscribed to stay healthy. Your Health Hustle Show provides.